Well, good morning. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to be back with all of you. I've been hoping and praying that I would have the strength and health to be here today to share this message with you on finding a joy. Uh, If you're newer to our church community, you may not know me, uh, but perhaps you've heard me be prayed for over the course of the last uh, six weeks. My name's Ken. I'm the Connections uh, Pastor here, and I've been in a six-week battle with sickness that I'll be telling you about in just a little a bit. But since the last time I saw you, I've changed in a few ways, at least externally. Perhaps you've noticed I have this new beard. Yeah, my, my son, Reese, loves No Shave November, and since I was sick, I didn't see much point in shaving. Uh, however, my wife's not a fan, so it probably won't stick around very long. Um, I lost thir- or 25 pounds as a result of being sick. Uh, Brian Vidger teased me that I better be careful in the winds around here, Fargo-Moorhead area. He said, you might blow away, so on the windy days, I'm bringing an anchor along just to make sure I don't blow away. Um, I'm no longer consuming caffeine, not necessarily my choice, just what happened. Uh, Because of antibiotics and steroids and being so sick, my immune system's uh, super weak, so I got to be careful in this season not to get sick, so you'll see me wearing a mask, and I'll be kind of cautious. Like, I want to hug everybody in this place, but no, it's not really wise at this point. Um, I also have a new battle that I'll possibly be fighting for the rest of my life. But before we get to the story, I, I want to turn our attention to Advent for a few uh, moments. Uh, today is the third week in Advent, and Advent means coming. And it's the season in which we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Uh, during Advent, we wait in darkness and hopeful expectation of the birth of Jesus and the, bringing the light of the world to us. And so an Advent wreath, which we have here, actually uh, represents or marks uh, the different weeks of Advent. And with the lighting of each new candle, uh, we contemplate all that led up to the birth of Jesus. And so the very first week, we lit a purple candle, and it was the candle of hope. And then the second week... We lit another candle, and that was the candle of love. Uh, It was about our love for Jesus and the things that we love. And today, today, uh, we light the pink candle, and the pink candle happens to be the candle of joy. It's also called the shepherd's uh, candle, and so we'll be talking about a joy today. But, you know, it's uh, it's the hope that we have in Jesus and the love that uh, starts to be stirred in our hearts by His goodness and His grace uh, that leads us to a place where we can have joy that transcends all circumstances. And so uh, let's take a look this morning at Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 8 and 9. Many of you will be familiar with this story. This was the night that Jesus was born in the manger. And, and it reads this. It says, And there were shepherds uh, living in the fields, nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So, you know, these guys for years and years and years had been shepherds. And this was a night just like any other night where they're, they're watching their sheep, not much is going on, but this night was different. And then we read, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I mean, you, can you imagine, like night after night, we've watched these sheeps, night, sheeps, sheep, uh, night after night, we've uh, hung out, and perhaps they were sitting around the fire telling sheep jokes. Who really knows what's going on? And all of a sudden, this angel shows up in this bright light, and it says that they were terrified. 
Well, verse 10 says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. He lets them know right away, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he's the Messiah. So this long-awaited Messiah, for years and years and years, they've been praying for this Messiah to come. The Old Testament had talked about it. And on this day, these angels appear in the hill, on the hillsides, and they say, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And then it goes on to say in verse 13 and 14, I don't think we have the slide. It says, suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Uh, if you came to our Christmas program on a Friday night, uh, they enacted this, and uh, we had about 20 kids from our children's choir singing glory to God in the highest, and it was so precious and so cool. But one of the things that I love about this passage is that I feel, I feel like, like our gracious God chose, chose out of all the people in the world to first let people know about Jesus. He considered people, or he invited people into that who would generally be considered uh, fairly common, shepherds. He, he allowed shepherds to be the first ones to know that his son, Jesus, had arrived. And I think in ways that communicates to us from the very get-go that rich or poor, sinner or saint, it doesn't matter what's on your ledger, it doesn't matter what guilt you carry or what shame you have or even how good you've been, our Savior came for one and all and brings joy to all who will follow him. And he brings peace to those on whom his favor rests, which we'll talk about next week. But today... Today, we're going to zero in on joy. But frequently, our circumstances, our challenges, our trials, our relationships, our illnesses, our financial situation, our toxic work environments do anything but provide us uh, an environment for joy, don't they? They cause turmoil in our lives. So how do we find joy in chaos when things are amiss, when the road is bumpy, when the waiting seems like it'll never end? Uh, James, who was uh, Jesus' brother, writes in the New Testament, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Uh, quite honestly, if I can be candid, historically, I haven't liked this verse. Uh, first of all, I don't want trials, right? And then I'm not so confident I can be joyful when those trials come. And yet he's saying, consider it pure joy, my brothers. I mean, golly gee willikers, I just lost my job. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Or my car just slid off into the ditch and the weather is brutal outside. Yippee! What do you do when you get a stocking full of coal? For you kids that maybe get stockings at home, um, you know, generally, at least I hope, maybe you get candy in there or toys or at our house we do toiletries. Um, but you expect things that you actually want, right? But when we talk about getting a stocking full of coal, we're talking about disappointment. We're talking about getting lumps of things that you don't want in your life. So how do we have joy 
when we're going through suffering. Let me tell you a little bit about the joy I experienced through my suffering. So this whole story really starts, uh, day one was October 22nd. It was a Saturday uh, morning. I'd been feeling a little bit off for a couple days, but we were out on the south lawn here uh, putting the fence post in for the community gardens that we're going to start up next spring. And I was with a group of guys, and while we're putting these fence posts in, I'm, I'm holding them, and I'm, feel, I'm like, I feel a little dizzy. I feel a little lightheaded. Something's not right. I don't feel so good. I go home after we're done doing the fence post. I, I got into bed, and for about three hours, I had the fever, a fever and shakes and took a nap. Then I got back up, and then that night, it's a Saturday night, I went to bed at 5.30 p.m., and I slept for 13 hours and, you know, had sweats and shakes and everything through the night and wasn't feeling very good. Uh, the next morning I wake up, it's Sunday, October 23rd, and I let the guys know that I won't be here for church. And that was the very first Sunday that I missed as a result of being sick. Well, day three, Monday, I go to the doctor and I see a nurse and she orders some chest x-rays, abdominal x-rays, urine sample, blood sample, some other samples. And she did recommend, I thought um, this was pretty wild, on the very first visit, she said, perhaps you should get a CT scan. Now I'm a fairly frugal guy, and I'm like, can we wait on that? That sounds like a lot of money. Let's not do a CT scan right away. So day four, which is Tuesday, October 25th, I come into work. And I go to a few meetings, and the guys are like, you should just go home. You don't uh, look well. You don't feel well. Well, little did I know, I would not return to this church building for 35 days. The first day I, re I stepped back in here was November 30th. So every day after this thing started, I would be home in bed or on the couch or quite candidly on the toilet um, I was going to the bathroom 20 to 25 times a day, and for whatever reason, it felt like 12 to 15 times at night. Like, I wasn't getting any sleep at night. I would go to bed, wake up 30 minutes later, have to go to the bathroom, go to bed. And so this was just, you know, this happened for, for several days, and, and I thought, surely this is going to pass. Surely this will, I'll start to feel better in a few days, and this won't last very long. Well, after about four or five days, I, I connect with the nurse again. It's like, okay, maybe we should do the CT scan thing. And at that point, it was going to be about a week before I could get the CT scan. And so after 10 days at home uh, with no improvement, little sleep, not hardly eating, on day 14, uh, which was Friday, November 4th, I go in for a CT scan at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I get back home. Within an hour, the nurse calls me. She said, you need to get to the hospital right now, go to the ER, get admitted, we need to get you on uh, antibiotics. Uh, and I thought, actually, I was kind of glad. I'm like, well, at least if I get into the doctor, I'll get on antibiotics. And I've had some stomach issues in the past, and so I'm like, I'll get on antibiotics, I'll be good to go in three days. So I go into the, doctor, or into the hospital on, on Friday, November 4th. On Sunday, uh, day 16, November 6th, which happens to be my dad's 89th birthday, uh, you all had church here that Sunday, and there was a big windstorm that day. And a little bit later that afternoon, I get a text from our staff showing a video of our roof of our gym quite literally blowing off, like this wind's tearing up the roof. And I thought, man, more coal in our stockings, you know, what's going on? Well, four days pass, five days pass, there's no improvement. I'm on IVs, I'm not eating any food at all. The protein that would normally be in my body 
uh, dissipates, and I start to retain water. And so my ankles start to swell up, and my knees start to swell up, and my hips start to swell up, and my belly starts to swell up. If you've ever seen the original movie, uh, the original Santa Claus movie with Tim Allen, and he starts to retain water weight, that's how I felt like I was puffing up like a little balloon. Um, And so that's what's going on. Day 20, uh, November 10th, which was a Thursday night, was the worst physical night of all. Uh, The next day, they've decided that they wanted to do a procedure where they would look inside my stomach. And to do that, you have to drink all of this fluid to kind of clean yourself out. Well, um, as I mentioned, I'm all bloated. I'm feeling awful. And now I've got to drink this like saltwater stuff as much as I can in a couple hours. And I was just like dying. Like I, like I thought I was going to die. I was, I was miserable. And about two hours after trying, I literally, hate to be graphic, but threw up five times. And I'm like, I just can't keep going. And I was just so beside myself. The next morning I get up and um, doctor comes in and says, well, since you weren't able to you know, do the, the prep for this, we'll do a different procedure where we still look inside you, but uh, don't go quite as far. So I, I have this uh, procedure about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And after I get out, uh, they said, you know, um, <laughs> the doctor says, you've got the ugliest colon I think we've ever seen. I'm like, well, thanks, doc. Appreciate that. Uh, but they were able to identify what was wrong with me, and it was different than what they were trying to treat. So at that point, they say, well, we've got to get you on these different antibiotics and steroids. And I'm like, well, that's good news. At least we know what we're dealing with now, and surely I'll get better soon. I stay in the doctor's office for the next four days. Um, no improvement, little sleep, not hardly eating at all. Um, and by the way, November 10th, when that worst physical night of all was also the very same uh, day that Deb Smith, Smithson, uh, Pastor Tom's wife, had her hernia surgery. And so we're praying for her and kind of keeping an eye on that. Um, as I mentioned, four more days pass. In the meanwhile, the, during those four days, we're receiving texts from Tom that Deb's uh, surgery, like things aren't going so good, like she's in a lot of pain and isn't quite recovering the way she th- should. Well, on day 23, which was a Sunday, actually, I needed a show of hands today. How many Vikings fans in the room? Raise your hands if you're a Vikings fan, all right? Okay, so you'll know what I'm talking about. Day 23, the Vikings play the Bills. And if you remember that game, a seesaw battle back and forth, super exciting, right? Well, that day, the the doctor comes in and says to me, um, you know what, we... Uh, everything that you need for treatment, um, you can do at home now. You don't, we can discharge you. Even though I haven't gotten any better, they said, you know, you can take this medication orally. And in the meanwhile, I've got my friend John and my wife and kids in watching the, the Vikings game. I'm like, we'll leave, but not till after this game. And so <laughs> we stayed to the end of the game and um, go Vikings. They pulled it out in the last few moments, and uh, I head home. And, and then... Uh, Gosh, I get out of the hospital. I'm expecting a fairly quick change, but I spend the next days, 10 days at home, and nothing seems to improve. And then day 26, so that Wednesday night, it was November 16th, was the worst emotional night of all. Um, We had our Wednesday night meals and Wednesday night kids ministry that night, and I'd gotten a 
a text from the Wednesday night meals group. They're looking for griddles. And then uh, Pastor Kent sent me a video of the Wednesday night meals team uh, with a video that said, Ken, we hope you get well soon, which was really sweet. But then about an hour later, maybe a half hour later, uh, we get a text from Sarah Beck Hansen. She says, uh, Christopher, who is her husband, is missing. Please pray. And he's supposed to be at the youth group at his church. Oh, my. And so I'm praying that perhaps he got in a little fender bender and his phone's just not working. I'm praying that, you know, God will help everything turn out well. Well, about an hour later, we get another text uh, that said some friends found Christopher uh, in his car at a Hornbacher's uh, unresponsive. So they're not quite sure what happened. And about an hour or two later, uh, Sarah sends a text to our entire staff. I can't believe I'm telling you this, but he's had a massive stroke and he's not going to recover from this. The same night, uh, Tom and Deb had finally, Deb had started to get better, and Tom and Deb were supposed to leave uh, Mayo and head back home, but Deb uh, ended up being dehydrated, and instead of just being able to go check back into the hospital and get her old room, they had to go sit in the ER at 10 o'clock at night for two or three hours to get readmitted to get her on IVs. And it's like, oh my goodness, we were just receiving so much coal in our stockings. We're praying for one another, and it's just crazy. Well, the very next day, day 27, it's a Friday, we get a text from Nikki Dunham, Seth's wife. It turns out her mom in Wisconsin had had a stroke. And it's like, Lord, what in the world? Like, just felt like thing after thing. And in the background within our church, like, these sound like a ton of things, but uh, while all this is going on, one of our elders, uh, Mark Strand, his mother had had a small heart attack. She's fine, but we were praying for her. Another member of our church had fallen off a ladder and was getting uh, hip surgery because he'd broken his hip. Uh, other members of our church family are in their own long, drawn-out battles against cancer. Ann Dahl, Chuck Mullins, Chuck Clems, and, and Al and Mary Isaacson. And, and addition to this, uh, Vicky's cousin Pam, who had been, my wife Vicky's cousin Pam, who had been battling cancer for 40 years on and off. And she's not a very, she's only like maybe, she's a young 60-year-old, somewhere in that area. Um, she was finally going to have to go on hospice and finally give up her battle. And then I have a brother, my youngest brother, Chris. He's out in California. He was having to have, he was in the hospital the same time I was having a second hip replacement because a hip replacement surgery had gone bad. And I'm thinking, what in the world? So much brokenness, so much coal in our stockings. You know, another friend from our congregation, though, said yesterday, we must be doing something right if Satan's working so hard to harm us. And I think that's a good perspective on this as well. Well, fast forward, uh, day 33, November 23rd. It's uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I finally have a glimmer of hope. I get on a medication which actually starts to make me feel better. And on Thanksgiving Day, I started to get better and have progressively gotten better every day since. I've still got a long ways to go, but I'm, 
I, I'm getting there. But through all of this, I felt like I was getting tons and tons of coal in my stocking, that our whole staff, that our whole church family was getting tons of stockings full of coal. And yet I can say unequivocally, I can tell you that God is good, that God showed up, that he was good to me, that he showed up in so many ways through all of this. And I want to share with you some of the amazing ways that I found joy through all of this. Let me tell you how I found joy in this season. You know, one of the main ways that God provided me joy was through the kindness of people. I was absolutely blown away by how many people showed me love in different ways. And I felt like God used so many people to show me love and kindness and provide encouragement that brought me joy in a difficult time. Uh, the passage up there, this is Jesus talking to the disciples just shortly after the washing of the disciples' feet. And he says, by this, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another I don't know if you've thought about it, but your love and your kindness to others can bring them joy in tough times. I want to share with you some of the different groups of people uh, that, that brought me joy. Uh, there was a group of nurses. I felt like God had put some angels in my life while I was in the hospital for 10 days. Uh, one of them was a gal by the name of Sasha. Uh, she is a traveling nurse from the Philippines, and she was with me six or seven of the nights that I was there. And I can remember her saying, as I'm going through pain, oh, God, Ken, oh, God, Ken. Like she had such empathy, like just wanted me to feel better and cared for me. Uh, there's Kylie. Kylie was part of that group as well. She's from St. Cloud. And then there was Courtney, and she was from Greeley, Colorado, and Jenny from Moorhead, and all four of these gals, like I was in so, it's just easy to be depressed, right? It's easy to just kind of look at the glasses half full, and they all had such encouragement and empathy and kindness that they brought me joy and helped me get through this, and I'm so grateful to each one of them. Uh, our church family, uh, so many of you sent texts and emails or wrote cards. Every one of those uh, brought a glimmer of hope and joy to me. To hear that somebody was praying for me or to send a scripture. Um, some were just notes to let me know that you were thinking of me. Uh, there were a number of people that brought meals over to our family. And it just encouraged us and brought joy and helped us to know that we were loved. Uh, my coworker B, she sent me a text while I was still in the hospital with a link to the worship song by Casting Crowns called Praise You in This Storm. Think about that, Praise You in This Storm. And I listened to that while I was in the hospital. I listened to it again after I got home. And it was just that sense of like, even in the storm, I can trust God. Rob Noyes sent me a text, said, I'm praying Isaiah 41.10 over you, which happens to be a verse that I've been working on memorizing this last year. And it says this, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, as well, I just wanted to share a few cards with you that I received. I received lots of cards, and I think they're going to try and show these on the screen so, um, so that people can see them. Uh, this is a card where there's a, a puppy dog, 
enveloping a little kitten, and it says, just letting you know you are surrounded in prayer. And I can't tell you how many people told me that they were praying for me, and just knowing that. Uh, here's another card that has a couple Adirondack chairs uh, that are looking out over a lake, and um, well, how's that not joyful, right? You know? <laughs> There's some kids that had... Uh, put together some cards for me that were part of our children's ministry. This one says, I think you're smart. Love, Carly. How can that not bring you joy? On the back, it says, I love you, Pastor Ken. I'm Leslie's kid. My name is Carly. <laughs> and just, you know, just amazing how God just shows us joy through those sorts of things. Uh, you know, I had a number of people that visited me in the hospital or visited at home. My, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, my friend John came over to the hospital and watched football and soccer with me. Uh, my wife, I have to be careful because I'll get super choked up, but my wife has just been such an incredible uh, blessing. She was at the hospital, I think, every day that I was there, not the whole time, but would visit me every day. And uh, just support me, be an advocate for me with the doctors and nurses when I'm kind of loopy and not sure what to say, and, um, and my kids uh, showing up at the hospital and sending texts and prayers. You know, Darren and Will and Kim and Clayton and Mark all dropped by and shared encouraging things with me. Uh, one thing that maybe some of you heard uh, Seth share during one of the sermons a few uh, weeks ago was that the elders... Uh, the day before I got out of the hospital, so it was that Saturday, came over to pray for me, and they asked the whole story, and after they did, they'd all gathered around the bed, and they're laying hands on me praying, and I've got my eyes closed, and as they're praying, we hear the door open, and I didn't look, because that wouldn't have been right, all right, I'm getting prayed for, I'll keep my eyes closed, but it turns out it was my doctor, and I think his jaw about hit the floor, like, what's going on here? And he came back in uh, an hour or two later, and he said, what was going on? I've never seen anything like that. And we said, well, the elders had come over, and they were praying that I would get healed. And uh, that led to two really, really cool spiritual conversations with him, one that day and, and one the day after. Uh, by the way, I, I do want you all to know, one of the things the Bible instructs elders to do is to pray for and anoint the sick while they're going through tough times. And our, our elders frequently do that for people, and they consider it an honor and a privilege to pray for you if you're going through something really tough. And so I want you to know that that's happening in the background here. Another way that I was uh, incredibly uh, blessed through the kindness of our life group, our life group was an incredible support of prayer and encouragement, uh, texts, visits, uh, praying for me, praying for us, for our whole family. They carried the load for me while I was gone, like the life group just kept meeting without me for five or six weeks, uh, which was great. Some of them came by and decorated our hospital uh, room. One of the things they did while I was in the hospital, though, uh, was they gave me this blanket, and it's one of those like super cozy Karsten's blankets. And um, in the hospital, I pulled this up over me, and I still do this at home. And every time I do, I'm just reminded of their love for me. Like, this is symbolic of my friends 
love for me. And so it's just such a warm and cool way to just be reminded of the love of others and how God shows the love of others through other people. Um, I, I actually think it's important that we have symbols in our lives that we can look to to remind us of Jesus' love. You know, if you get a card from somebody, don't hesitate to leave that on your desk or somewhere that you can see it, or you've got a picture of somebody that truly loves you to keep that in a place, or a blanket that reminds you, or a scripture that has meant a lot to you. You know, keeping something visually in front of you that reminds you, you are loved not only by God, but by people. My doctor as well, has his kindness, he's a follower of Christ, he's part of our church, uh, he checks in with me regularly, he's even texted me on Sundays, which is a huge blessing, uh, prayed for me at the end of our original a doctor's appointment. It was just so warming to know uh, that not only was he relying on science, but he was relying on faith to provide guidance for us. Uh, other people's kindness. Our staff. Our staff has grown so close through all of this. Uh, we've been praying for one another like crazy. Uh, some have carried the load for those of us that have been out while Sarah's been out and I've been out and Tom's been out. Our staff has picked up uh, the pieces and just carried the load. But one of the things that we do is we, we have a text thread where we share what's going on uh, with one another and we pray for each other and we cry for one another and we laugh together. And speaking of laughter, I don't care what you're going through, laughter always seems to be a good medicine. And I laughed with doctors and nurses and family and friends while I was in the hospital and sent uh, and since then. But I have one text which, which I want to share with you that caused me to laugh out loud. This came from Stacy Hoiberg, who I happened to uh, fish with. And um, he sent me this text with a video, and the caption underneath just said, no explanation necessary. Let's go ahead and roll the video. Well, I'm going to miss her. In case you were confused, that was not my voice nor my rhythm, um, but I just laughed out loud when I saw that. Talk about just a neat way to bring joy. Uh, but the thing I want you all to know that it's so important to be in spiritual community. It is so important to have spiritual friendship. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Get that sentence in the middle, though. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You know, if, if you're not connected to community or struggled to find community, and I know it's not always easy, I can't tell you how important it is. Seek and find spiritual friendships, others who love Jesus, others who love you. The amount of joy brought to me through other people has been almost immeasurable. And one good piece of advice for those of you that have struggled to connect with others is this. If you want to find a friend be a friend. 
even if it's just one friend. Spiritual community is so important. Having people that can encourage you, can pray for you, that can prop you up. Two are better than one. And I quite honestly, until this happened, never knew how loved I was until I went through this because so many people let me know they loved and cared for me. Well, another way that I found joy was from trusting God's promises. Uh, I mentioned to you that I didn't sleep most nights for a month. And so as I lay awake at night, uh, frequently I would go to a couple of passages just to remind myself of God's promises. Lots of times I would just recite Psalm 23 to myself. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. God is going to give me everything I need to do everything he asks of me. He's going to make me lie down in green pastures. He's going to lead me beside still waters. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear because my God is with me. And I just go through each verse and remind myself of God's love and care and that I have a shepherd that cares for me. Uh, Sometimes I go through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I'm like, it's not my will to be in this hospital, Lord, and going through this, but I'm going to trust that your will is done. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. Like, I'm going to trust you, God, to provide for me, to provide for my family through all of this. And then another passage that I went to quite frequently was Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There were lots of nights I was laying awake, and I'm like, well, I may not get physical rest, but I'm going to find rest for my soul by leaning on Jesus. You know, people reminded me of God's promises. They would send me a scripture, read passages uh, to me. Uh, Personally, trusting in God's promises gave me joy. But you know what even gave me greater joy? It was watching other people go through suffering and trial and the trust and hope that they had in God and the joy that they had. Um, Seeing Sarah Beck Hansen, who I mentioned, um, lose her husband after 80 days of marriage. Uh, She posted so many things on Facebook that just showed such a trust and belief that God was good and that she was loved and that he was up to something and did not mean this for harm. And then the post about how he was able to donate organs to like four to five to six other recipients and the joy that must have brought to those individuals' lives. And then to see her strength as she shared at the uh, funeral service and encouraged everybody to hug one another and just to see like she is trusting God and believing in him while she's going through something far more difficult than what I'm going through. It brought me joy to see that, to see others go through suffering well. Well, another way that I found uh, joy that surprised me, actually, was uh, the joy I received from prayer, uh, both praying for and re- others and receiving prayer. Uh, historically, I have not been much of a prayer warrior. Historically, I'm not one that prays a lot, more, probably far less than I wish I would. Uh, Philippians 4, 5, and 7 says this, though, 
Do not be anxious about anything, which is difficult, right, when we're suffering. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, so go with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. And I think that's a really important piece to this. Like having an attitude of gratitude, thanking God, even though we don't understand the circumstance, that He's at work and in the midst of that circumstance. Then it says, present your request to God. And what's going to happen in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, My prayer life has increased, I've said tenfold to people, but I actually think it's about a hundredfold. And the reason is that for over a month, I was laying awake every night. And I'd lay there and I'm like, well, can't do much, may as well pray. And I had a huge list of people to pray for. And so quite frequently, I'd find myself praying at night. But additionally, receiving prayer, hearing that person after person was praying for me. Uh, My daughter's FCA group was at college up in Bemidji was praying for me. There was a church down in Watertown, South Dakota, that was praying for me. Family from near and far, friends on Facebook. I want you to know this. Your prayers matter, and my prayers matter. And when you tell someone that you're praying for them, you're in essence saying, I'm asking God to have mercy on you. I'm asking God to encourage you. I'm asking God to heal you. And you are going to God on behalf of another, and that is a great gift. Another way I found joy in hard times was through reminding myself that God is always with me. He's always up to something. I received joy from God's unfailing presence. You know, sometimes you feel God's presence, like you feel like He's right there with you. But lots of times we don't. We just trust that He's with us. Like, I know that God is always with me. As followers of Christ, we believe that the moment we put our faith in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives and that He is always with us in each and every circumstance. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, right? To have joy. I will say it again, rejoice. And then he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Our God is always near. He says, Never will I leave you or forsake you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him Uh, just as an awareness of his constant presence and constant activity through circumstances through people through prayer is so impactful Uh, my wife vicky told me that one night while we were smack dab in the middle of this i might have even been in the hospital while this happened uh, she was at home washing dishes and she just had this moments where she could sense the presence of god and it was as if god was saying you're going to be okay. We're going to get you through this. And that was so comforting to her. Remind yourself that he who began a good work in you will, will carry it out to its completion. That God works all things together for the good of those who love him. That our God is at work. He's always with us, always up to something, and that I can have joy and know that deep down in my soul that no matter what's going on, he's up to something. You know, another surprising way that I found joy was actually through comforting others while suffering myself. 
joy from comforting others. You know, I've heard it said that God never wastes a hurt. Uh, There's something about going through a trial or pain that increases my empathy. It actually creates a bond with others who have struggled with something similar. When we're going through an addiction, when we're going through a physical ailment, when we go through the loss of a loved one, it's like you have a shared bond there with somebody. And the Apostle Paul writes this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is what? He's the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who does what? Who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. As a church family, uh, we believe that if one part of the body suffers, all parts suffer. And I don't know about you, but my natural inclination is to keep suffering at a distance. It's kind of to keep it at arm's length. When I hear about somebody going through a hard time or when their countenance just says there's something wrong, what's in me wants to step back and keep that at a distance, right? I just don't want to get too close to that. And yet, Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice, right? Celebrate with those who celebrate. But then the flip side of that is he says, mourn with those who mourn. I want to encourage each of you to go to people suffering. If it's a brother or a sister, if it's a friend or a coworker, or, if it, or, or whomever it is, one of the biggest gifts you can give them is to ask about what they're going through and to offer a listening ear and to provide encouragement. And I think you'll be amazed. I've been amazed at how many times I've gone to people suffering and I've got to have conversations with them and we both have walked out of there with a little bit more joy and a little bit more hope and a little bit more encouragement. And that's one of the things that God calls his people to do and one of the things you've been gifted with is a knowledge that our God is good and there is hope in all circumstances. Reality is, while I was sick, I couldn't do much. I couldn't go visit people. I was sequestered. But what could I do? I could send texts, I could pray, and I could make phone calls. And I had a number of just super meaningful phone calls with people going through tough times. Uh, Ann Dahl and I talked uh, three different times for 45 minutes. She's been battling cancer I think I talked to Joyce Henderson on the phone and Gail Larson, both of whom have recently lost uh, spouses. I talked to Tom on the phone a number of times about what Deb was going through. Uh, I spoke to one guy from our church who was just going through a really lonely season. And uh, we walked through Psalm 23 together, and you could just hear his heart and mind change as we encouraged one another. And each one of these wasn't about me necessarily, like we were mutually encouraging each other, right? Because we're mutually suffering and we mutually had hope. When someone's going through a tough time, be sure to let them know that you're thinking about them and that you're praying for them. A phone call or a simple text or a card or an email will go a long ways in helping them know that they're loved and cared for. You'd be amazed at the joy you can bring others by your willingness to engage and draw near to their pain. Now, the most important point of all is this, though. Joy comes from Jesus. Joy comes from Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 14 
It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I've always loved this passage because it says that Jesus, the word, Jesus, uh, made his dwelling among us. It's like he set up camp right in the midst of our mess, right? He said, I want to be with you. I want to be with these people, with each one of us. Emmanuel, God with us. Well, back to Luke chapter 2, verse 10, where we started. Uh, the passage says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. How have I found a joy as a result of these past six weeks? How has Jesus carried me through this? Well, I found some joy in growing this beard. That was kind of fun. Um, I wanted to lose some weight. 25 pounds was not the goal, but what, you know, I'll take what I can get, right? But those are both physical things and temporary things, especially the beard, if my wife has anything to say about it. Um, but truthfully, God has shown me incredible love and kindness through many of you. I have been so blessed by this church family and the many of you that have reached out. Uh, God has attuned my heart towards prayer. Uh, my frequency of prayer has grown. My dependency on prayer has grown. My belief in prayer has grown through this. God has grown my empathy for others as I've become more and more aware of the struggles that others are facing. You know, it's interesting how when somebody hears that you're going through a hard time, they're more willing to share what they're going through. And it's been neat to hear those stories and be able to enter into that pain with them. But it's like I've cried over stuff that I never cried over before. And why? Because I have empathy and I understand what they're going through now. And it's changed my heart. God's grown my trust that he is always good, always active and aware. God has made me acutely aware of how loved I am both by people and by him through this trial. A friend of mine, Pastor Craig at Bethel, has been doing a, a daily Advent devotional on joy, uh, which started on December 1st. And this is a caption uh, from the first day that he put this out. He says, joy is not merely an emotion but a heart affection that moves us to action. Joy is light radiating from God through the life of his son, Jesus, through the working of the Holy Spirit. Joy is a result of the presence of Jesus in our lives as we grow to know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus, our Savior, is hope. He is love and he is joy fulfilled. And joy isn't being happy when circumstances would dictate sadness or despair. Joy is a growing trust that our God has our back in each and every circumstance. Trusting that our God loves us, that he is with us, and that he is always up to good. And through that, he grows our hope, knowing that our suffering and our circumstances do not have the final say. Jesus does. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And that's what I've found to happen in my life. I can honestly say to you that I don't regret going through 
what I went through and that God has grown my trust in him and my love for him and for people. I've told more people in the last month that I have never said this to before. I've told them I love you. Not because all of a sudden I did, but because I knew how important it was to let them know that I love them. And I've heard from more people that I am loved. Tell those that you love that you love them. We can receive joy and we can bring joy. When you face trials of many kinds, may your trust and hope in Jesus in all circumstances permeate your heart and mind. May you receive joy and may you bring joy. Let's pray. Uh, Father, very few of us like trials. Uh, Many of us, though, who have experienced trials have seen them as great times of growth. A growth in just uh, a trust that you are good and always up to something. uh, That you will love us regardless of our circumstances or situation. uh, That you will carry us through everything we face. And that we have a hope uh, that outlasts anything this temporary life will ever uh, put in front of us. And so I pray for those, Lord, who are in the midst of a trial right now. Uh, Perhaps they're having relational struggles, physical struggles, financial struggles. I pray that you would meet them as only you can. I pray that you would open their eyes to your goodness and your ways, whether it's people that encourage them, whether it's scripture that encourages them or circumstances. Help them know that they're loved and that they can have joy Uh, regardless of what they're facing. And God, may we each just learn to lean on you in each and every circumstance. Uh, May we experience joy in this Christmas season. Uh, And may we know that joy is is far greater than happiness and that it is available and you give it in each and every circumstances, regardless of how dire they look. I pray that we'd receive that and that we'd know that. I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen.